Photographer Edward Mybridge ran an experiment to settle a bet made by Leland Stanford, the founder of Stanford University. The bet was this. When a horse was at full gallop, was it ever completely airborne, that is, no part of it touching the ground? Mybridge set up 12 cameras along a racetrack on Stanford's estate. As the horse galloped by, it tripped wires attached to the cameras, triggering a sequence of photos. Once developed, the sequence of images showed clearly that at the top of its stride, all four legs are tucked beneath the horse. Here's the thing though, the experiment set off something much bigger than settling Stanford's bet. I like to imagine this moment, Stanford jumping around going, suck it, I won the bet, to his mate, while Mybridge is looking at the 12 images laid out in front of him and going, holy shit, wait a second. Let me explain. Mybridge was one of a number of people experimenting with photography as a new technology for capturing and storing light in the 19th century. Technologies like the camera and the phonograph dramatically changed how humans represented reality. Prior to photography, an image could only be captured by a human who drew or painted. Think about it like this. Light made an impression through the eyeball onto the optical nerve, where it was somehow turned into an image in the brain and then converted via the hand into a painting or drawing. Photography transferred this previously human process to a machine. Light passed through the lens and made an impression on another medium, the metal plate or film. This enabled reality in the form of light to be stored in a medium without having to first pass through a living human body. This is an incredible period of development in the relations between humans and their reality-producing technologies. A symbolic media system based around human perception began to give way to a technical one. By symbolic, I mean that reality has to be transposed into a socially constructed symbol. Letters and words, musical notes, a handmade drawing. The human hears a song. They cannot capture the sound directly. They instead need to discern the sounds with their ear and then write them onto paper using musical notation, which they could then pass on to another human who, if they could read the symbolic code, in this case a musical score, could play back the sound. Same goes for writing and reading. Someone talks to me, I discern the words and transpose them into letters on a page, which someone else could then read back. Technical media is different to this. With technical media, like the photograph or the phonograph, one medium, light or sound, makes an impression on another vinyl, wax, a metal plate, film. Mybridge's experiment is a critical part of this process of developing techniques for capturing and storing reality because he figures out a way to capture and store moving reality, something akin to living or live images. This had been a huge problem. Humans knew that when they looked at the world, it was both colourful and full of movement, and yet devices like early cameras could only capture a still, black and white image. The big question was whether humans could create devices that captured moving images, that looked more like the images that we saw in our own heads. So, here's my bridge, looking at his 12 images of the horse and realising that not only had they settled the bet, they could be taken and passed via the eye in a steady sequence, to give the appearance that the horse was actually moving. 
Mybridge kept experimenting, and a couple of years later, in 1879, he created a device called, elegantly, a zoopraxiscope, which was critical in the creation of cinema. The zoopraxiscope was a small wheel that had a sequence of images printed around the outer edge, and when spun, the images appeared to the human eye to move. This device inspired Edison and Dixon's kinetoscope, the first commercial form of moving image film. So, why tell this story now? Well, it's one of those critical moments during the late 19th and early 20th century where humans developed ways of storing light and sound, and in a sense, storing impressions of reality outside of the human body. So, it alerts us to something important about media cultures and technologies. Media are technocultural processes through which humans store, process, augment, and play with reality. Mybridge was experimenting with techniques for representing reality in ways that went beyond storing it in the human mind and senses. But that's not all. Listen to this. If Mybridge is one of the great experiments for developing media devices that represented reality, he returns in 2017 with a cameo in one of the contemporary efforts to create forms of biotechnical media that experiment with lived experience and life itself. In 2017, Harvard scientists encoded a moving image GIF of Mybridge's horse experiment into the DNA of a living cell, where, as the New York Times explains, it can be retrieved at will and multiplied indefinitely as the host divides and grows. The advance, reported in the journal Nature by researchers at the Harvard Medical School, is the latest and perhaps most astonishing example of the genome's potential as a vast storage device. The scientists involved in this experiment think that it may be possible one day to do something even stranger, to program bacteria to snuggle up to cells in the human body and to record what they are doing, in essence making a movie of each cell's life. When something goes wrong, when a person gets ill, doctors might extract the bacteria and play back the record. Or outside of the human body, we might create living bacteria or organisms that monitor the lived environment or record how the brain works. One of the geneticists involved in the project at Harvard says, what we're trying to develop is a molecular recorder that can sit inside living cells and collect data over time. I'll be honest, I don't really get it, as in, I don't really get the science, the bit where the image is transposed into information that can be stored in a living cell. But to be really crude about it, it follows, I think, the logic of the digital. Once all information can be collapsed into ones and zeros, then the content of any medium can be stored in any other medium. The content of a film can be stored in living bacteria. Okay, but apart from its fantastic strangeness, this experiment is one of many taking place in the early 21st century that are transforming what we understand media to be. If Mybridge's experiment was one of a series of 19th and 20th century experiments in capturing lived experience, then the Harvard scientists who put this film in the DNA of a living cell are part of early 21st century experiments with developing technologies that engineer and experiment with lived experience. If in the 19th and 20th century media represented reality, in the 21st century media experiment with reality, storing Information in DNA is very experimental, but I'd argue we should see this as part of the larger development of media technologies in two important ways. 
The first is conceptual. An experiment like this reminds us that media are devices for capturing, storing and processing information. And the second is more industrial. The major platforms like Facebook, Google, Amazon and the techno-capitalist Elon Musk are all investing in these kinds of technologies and experiments. This is Regina Duggan, a developer at Facebook, talking at the F8 conference in 2017. Let's start with your brain. Your brain has 86 billion neurons that fire a thousand times per second. Now, they don't all fire at the same time, so let's decrease that by a factor of 100. That would mean your brain is capable of producing about one terabit per second. About 40 HD movies are streaming in your brain every second. Now, if you haven't had your coffee yet, you might be moving about 10 times slower. So let's just say it's four HD movies every second. And herein lies the problem. How do I get all of that information out of my brain and into the world? What are my choices? Well, I'm, I'm speaking to you right now, and I'm transmitting at about 100 bits per second. Think about That's that. Here's a Facebook developer saying, let's start with your brain. Facebook are calling this a machine brain interface project. What's important here is not what Facebook can do now, but listening carefully to what they're telling us they're trying to do. They're trying to reduce the friction between your living biological body and the calculative capacities of their media platform. So what if you could type directly from your brain? It sounds impossible, but it's closer than you may realize. And it's just the kind of fluid human-computer interface needed for AR. Even something as simple as a yes-no brain click would fundamentally change our capability. A brain mouse for AR. The woman in this video has ALS. She is completely trapped inside her body. She cannot move or speak, but she is typing with her mind, not with eye blanks, with her mind. An array of electrodes the size of a pea has been implanted where her brain would normally control her, mo her motor functions. The electrodes record her neurons firing when she imagines moving the cursor. Then the computer learns to move it for her. Using this system, she can type eight words per minute. Platforms like Facebook and Google have been imagining this stuff for years. In 2004, one of Google's co-founders, Larry Page, told Wired that eventually you'll have some kind of implant where, if you think about a fact, it will just tell you the answer. When Elon Musk launched Neuralink, he told the media that over time, I think we'll see a closer merger of biological intelligence and digital intelligence. Gizmodo reported in 2015 that a group of chemists and engineers who work with nanotechnology published a paper about an ultrafine mesh that can merge into the brain and create what appears to be a seamless interface between machine and biological circuitry. Called mesh electronics, the device is so thin and supple that it can be injected with a needle. They've already tested it on mice who survived the implantation and are thriving. The researchers describe their device as syringe injectable electronics 
and say it has a number of uses, including monitoring brain activity, delivering treatment for degenerative disorders like Parkinson's, and even enhancing brain capabilities. Neural lace, wetware, brain-machine interfaces, whatever we call it, we can see the impulse here. If the effort in the 19th and 20th century was to store reality outside the living body, in the 21st century the impulse is to incorporate the living body into the media platforms and technologies themselves. That is, to engineer life itself and to incorporate lived experience within the technical, calculative, logistical infrastructure of media. When Donna Haraway wrote her Cyborg Manifesto in the 1980s, it super importantly contained this dialectical impulse. On the one hand, horror at the effort of technologists to transform the human body and experience so fundamentally, and the incorporation of that effort within the political economy of global capitalism and empire. But on the other hand, fascination with the way these visions opened up, new ways of imagining what it might mean to be human. The human was no longer if we ever were, just a living body. The human is entangled, integrated with its machines. So here we are, in the first part of the 21st century, and at least one of our tasks is to think about media platforms and their experiments with reality, lived experience, and living bodies. To think about what these experiments mean for living cultures and societies. To think about media platforms... Facebook, Google, Amazon, Netflix, Instagram, Snapchat, Tinder, and so on, and what they do in our world, we need to go back, at least to the early 20th century, to think about the effort to create media as logistical technologies that collect, store, and process data about the human. Here's John Durham Peters on how we might think about media in this way. Media are infrastructures that regulate traffic between nature and culture, They play logistical roles in providing order and containing chaos. Once communication is understood not only as sending signals, which is certainly an essential function, but as altering existence, media cease to be only studios and stations, messages and channels, and become infrastructure, habitats and forms of life. Media are not only important for scholars and citizens who care about news and entertainment, education and public opinion, art and ideology, but for everyone who breathes, stands on two feet, or navigates the ocean of memory. Media are our environments, our infrastructures of being, the habitats and materials through which we act and are. He goes on to say, Ancient media like registers, indexes, census, calendars, catalogues, have always been in the business of recording, transmitting and processing culture and of organising time, space and power. The symbolic understanding of media is audiovisual entertainment machines, which has undergirded many of our accounts of media and society throughout the 20th century, is something of a historical exception. Digital media return us to the norm of thinking about media as data processing devices. We spent much of the 20th century thinking about how media represent reality. Our task now is to pay attention to the historical processes through which media has learned to experiment with reality.